Hello and welcome to In Conversation With, the monthly podcast series brought to you by the team that produce Global Cosmetics News. Will 2021 be the year that the indie pioneered clean beauty movement grows up? COVID has undoubtedly propelled wellness to the top of consumer minds. The industry is now worth 1.5 trillion US dollars globally, with an annual growth rate of 5 to 10%. As the cosmetics industry prepares for an increase in both purchase of product and service, how can the clean beauty movement protect its integrity as it scales? To help me answer these questions and more, it is my pleasure to introduce this month's panel. Hello to Paola Perez, Strategic Marketing Manager, Global B2C at Lubrizol Life Science. Hello to Dominika Menavarich, Co-Founder at Bybee Beauty. Anna Brightman, Co-Founder at UpCircle Beauty. And Eva Yorchev, Co-Founder and CEO of The Good Face Project. Welcome everybody. Thank you. Hi, Siobhan. Great to be here. Hello. Thank you for having us. Paola, let's start with you. With regards to ingredient sourcing and formulation, what are the social drivers impacting clean beauty products in 2021? Um, in my opinion, from the ingredient supplier standpoint, it's important to recognize that clean beauty first is about safety, sustainability, and transparency. So when you ask about social drivers, uh, we envision there are three, three drivers. First, there is a new definition of purpose. Uh, the pandemic has brought a new consciousness that has a spotlight purpose over profit. So it's a more holistic approach to sustainability, to clean beauty, that aims to encompass social, environmental, uh, economical value. Uh, this purpose, uh, from, from our perspective, is expected to remain as a core part of corporate strategies, looking for global welfare and for the well-being of both customers and employees. Another social driver that we had spotted uh, is the new generations, millennial and Generation Z. Consumers are driving the industry uh, for sustainability view, as they are extensive product user, premium buyer, digital influenced, and are increasingly influencing the skincare category. Uh, they are going to uh, lead and be the trendsetters in this clean beauty and environmental awareness. Um, as younger generations have to deal with this harsh reality of climate change, uh, they are more they are going to be more uh, demanding and they are going to expect more from beauty industries, from beauty brands, and of course, from uh, the ingredients suppliers. This is uh, what I see as the two main social drivers. And Dominica, at Bybee Beauty, what are you seeing as a social drivers in 2021? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think the pandemic has really accelerated people's consciousness over their skin well-being. I think that the clean beauty movement has always been rooted in, um, I guess, a, a slightly misrepresented fear of synthetics. Um, you know, we are, I guess, a clean beauty brand, but we don't necessarily label ourselves as such because I think that the term generally has had a lot of negative connotations and a lot of fear mongering associated with it. But I think it's kind of slightly being transformed into a view on like healthy mm. personal care more so than um, necessarily bashing synthetics, which I think is a really positive thing. Um, so as you kind of said in the intro, like clean beauty is growing up a little bit. Um, and I think the pandemic has really accelerated people's consideration of their wider holistic well-being. Um, and a lot of people link, you know, skin health um, and, you know, how your skin appears um, to, you know, how their general well-being is. So I think we're seeing a demand for things like probiotics, a lot of adaptogens, a lot of trending ingredients from, I guess, more supplement or food-based um, industries filtered down into beauty that, um, 
you know, we've kind of always anticipated, but I think the pandemic has definitely accelerated it. Um, a lot of people are thinking about how they protect their skin barrier, how they nurture their body's largest organ, which is their skin. So we're getting asked a lot of these kind of questions. Um, and without a doubt, the consumer is savvier than um, they've ever been before. So they have a really deep understanding of ingredients, what they do want and what they don't want from formulas. A lot of you know consumers now understand basic inky lists and really understand how to derive value from those inky lists. Um, so I think we're dealing with a, a conscious um, and quite intelligent consumer coming out of COVID. Um, and I think sustainability is, is, is table stakes now. I think if you don't have a view on how you're trying to protect the planet or, you know, improving your um, internal processes, you're just going to become irrelevant as a brand. So I think that that is, is super important. And I think when we think about clean beauty at Bybee, you know, we think about clean energy, clean supply chains, um, more so than really focusing too much on ingredients. So, you know, personally for me, I'd like to see that that, conversation you know quite move away from synthetics and i think that yeah the pandemic as a whole has been such a key driver in um in those kind of like social leaders as well and at upcircle beauty anna i think that as both paula and dominica have mentioned i think these new generations are bold and unafraid to make decisions different to their parents they you know they're they're questioning they're pretty demanding to be frank uh, which is not a bad thing um i think of course the term clean beauty is an umbrella for lots of other uh, slightly wishy-washy um terms that are open to misuse and greenwashing there's no set definition therefore there's no set standard but it is these overall um you know uh, ideas of wanting to be more conscious uh, this return to simplicity i think and uh, quality over quantity which perhaps these uh, well i think those two things are coming to head at the same time at the moment you've got really polarizing businesses you've got like you look at the fashion industry for example i think that often um is a little bit behind <laughs> uh, the skincare industry you've got on the one hand uh, brands looking at um you know circularity in borrowing schemes through apps and returning just renting clothes essentially and then you've got the likes of misguided and uh, pretty little thing and asos just on billboards everywhere you look um so you know there's, there's uh, different types of consumers most definitely but i think under the heading of what we're discussing today uh, the main thing is that um consumers want to be able to trust uh, that the brands that they are choosing to purchase from uh, represent their ethics, but are also putting out products that work as well, because they're going to be choosing less products and going to be willing to spend more money on them. Uh, then not only do they need to match your ethics, they need to actually do what you bought them for in the first place. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's again, in light of the pandemic, uh, this focus on self-care and um looking after yourself from the inside out and mental health awareness and things like that are also a contributing factor to the fact that we're having this conversation today. And consumer trust, are they the social drivers uh, leading people to the Good Face Project, Eva? Of course, Siobhan. Uh, we started uh, the Good Face Project so that we could answer consumer questions and very, very quickly uh, actually realized that the brands uh, have a tremendous need for um, internal tools that help them um, always lead the conversation towards transparency uh, and quality. And very, very quickly actually created a tool that is called the Good Face Formulator um, and helps brands formulate to whatever restrictions are important to them, whether that's to the retailer or the um, uh, regulatory restrictions within the countries that they would like to enter or their own um, you know, code of, of ethics, if you will, when it comes to ingredients, their own restrictions that they would like to impose on themselves. And in conversations with brands that are using the Good Face Formulator, and among them are some of the leading uh, brands in the United States um, and suppliers globally, actually, we find that now uh, from their point of view, uh, they um, their consumers, are starting to not necessarily be so focused on clean, uh, but because they have grown so uh, 
uh, increasingly educated, as Dominica pointed out, and because the consumer has really started to understand the difference between, um, you know, safety to my personal health, uh, environmental implications, and uh, other ethical considerations, now actually the consumer is starting to ask a lot of questions that have to do with ingredients uh, that they weren't able to ask about three or five years ago. And to us, actually, the conversation around clean very much gets reshaped uh, into conversation about ingredient transparency and ingredient quality, the two kind of uh, hand in hand. Um, uh, and, you know, one, one goes towards, of course, um, the, you know, answering the clean question, but the second one goes towards answering how, how does it apply to my particular skin? How does it apply uh, to my need? Because, you know, I have eczema and I would like to not uh, have irritation when I use this product, or I just had a baby and I'm having hormonal dryness in my skin and so on and so forth. So beyond uh, actually um, uh, delivering the quote unquote clean, which of course I'm uh, advocating is actually becoming much more about ingredient transparency. Uh, the consumer is uh, asking deeper and deeper questions about effectiveness that brands will uh, find themselves needing to answer um, a part and parcel of the whole conversation of um, uh, the product as a whole. Paola, what are the key digital drivers assisting ingredient sourcing and formulation of clean beauty products in 2021? Um, I think that these drivers are very aligned with uh, what Eva already shared. Uh, it's about communication and education uh, to the consumer. So digital will increasingly be used as a, as a tool to support the beauty industry sustainability initiatives. Uh, what has happened is that COVID-19 uh, has magnified the beauty's dependence on digital to engage consumers, to educate consumers. Uh, we see that the digital beauty consumers uh, prioritize ethical features, uh, desire and sustainability, source ingredients, ethical practices across the whole supply chain. And of course, uh, keeping in mind the water efficient uh, processes in the production. So the consumers are vocal on social media and they are uh, uh, spotting the ingredients. They are also criticizing a beauty company if they don't see they take actions or they take a position related to clean beauty. Uh, so this is all about education and communication. That's why beauty brands rely on digital content to supplement transparency and consumer educational initiatives. Uh, and they are using the social media, brands are also using the websites uh, to communicate uh, their vision around sustainability uh, and their projects. Um, actually, clean beauty players that this uh, that this this that share how they formulate that what kind of ingredients they use have gained consumer trust ahead of the rest of the industry's adoption of clean beauty. So they they took the lead for this. Uh, clean beauty movement. Um, also uh, aligned to the Good Face project and other uh, projects that are helping uh, consumers to scan uh, bad ingredients, uh, what uh, formulation is behind, what is the process, um, the purpose that each brand or company has taken to, to create that beauty, that beauty product. So it's about the digital driver, uh, is the consumer, is um, helping them to take decisions uh, for them and for the environment. And Dominica, how is digital supporting your business in 2021? Well, I think what we've seen is that, um, I guess previously we were quite reliant on doing things face-to-face, -face, um, you know, pre-pandemic and pre-2021. And I think digital has given us a great platform to amplify the message around 
you know, our definition of clean and, and some of our values and, and able to reach um, such a, a larger audience at scale now. Whereas I think, you know, in our minds, a lot of events, um, you know, a lot of content streams, a lot of ways of disseminating content, um, you know, we focused on offline channels, um, but they were always quite limiting because obviously they're limited by number of people, geographies, um, you know, it's a lot bigger commitment for someone to, you know, come in person, whereas I feel like we're able to grow our content platform so much to such a broader audience in, in 2021 because people are so comfortable, you know, attending things like Zoom webinars and Zoom conferences and, and engaging with content online. Um, and I also think that definitely in the first half of, of the kind of pandemic and, and the end of 2020, you know, people had a lot more time to kind of be sitting and scrutinizing things on social media. We saw, you know, massive engagement proliferation on social um, at the start of the pandemic, particularly, you know, with people being at home and, and kind of having more time on their hands. Um, so I think that the general use around social media and digital devices has accelerated as well. Um, and I think from a product perspective as well, you know, things like, um, you know, blue light um, is, is on the radar of a lot of consumers given um, the amount of time that they are spent spending in front of digital screens. So I think from a product development perspective, it's thrown out some really interesting concepts and ideas as well for the consumer. Um, but I think as a brand, we've just seen, you know, such a movement and engagement online, which has been great um, in order for us to kind of accelerate our growth and, and share our message um, to a broader audience. And up, up Circle Beauty, Anna, what are the digital drivers assisting your business? Yeah, it's funny listening to Dominique speak there because I think the last time I saw her in person, we were both absolutely shattered in uh, an airport in America doing a... Oh, yes. <laughs> Is going, that the last time? To, I think so, yeah. Trying to go to loads of events to support our uh, respective launches into the States. And I think this whole year has just proven that actually you can do it all from, from exactly where you're sat through a computer, which is it is big for you know founders like us who are just being pulled in a million different directions but want to say yes to every opportunity and uh you know be wherever they need to be in order to see their brands grow but um i think one of the key things that we're looking into at the moment in terms of digital drivers is the power of um, well skinfluencers or influencers generally i think uh we're still a relatively young brand we've you know we've got to be consider it with our budgets and stuff but I think it's um there's a reason <laughs> that brands are willing to put so much money behind having ambassadors I guess uh digital ambassadors are online using some pretty massive audiences through social channels that they've built uh as channels by which they can back their favorite brands or um you know, talk about ingredients that they love or don't love or what works for, for one skin type or another skin type. And these influences fall under many different categories these days with, of course, uh, massively varied audiences, which um, there, are, there are pros and cons to whether you want to go for the macro or micro or, or a mixture in between. Um, you know, you've got the real skincare savvy, they absolutely know what they're talking about types like skincare by Hiram. And then you've got those that are much more into you know, body positivity and moving away from these awful filters that are just being chucked on absolutely everything, which again is kind of in um, uh, opposition to TikTok, which is also a whole new uh, platform that I think some of us are having to, to get to grips with because that one's not going away anytime soon. Um, people like Nelly London, for example, that follow uh, fall under a different kind of category of influencer, but... Um, have interesting parallels that can be drawn uh, for a brand like like mine um, who really pride themselves on real beauty in its many varied forms and you know not using photoshop and showing diverse ages and skin types and um, you know people essentially I, I want the people that are shown on my social channels to be reflective of my customers uh, and I know that our customers are extremely varied so um, yeah, going back to kind of focusing on the question, I think that the use of influencers and the opportunities that that uh, can afford for brands of varied scales um, is is a really interesting uh, area of focus for, for us at the moment that we are uh, trying to navigate. <laughs> and the Good Face Project, it is a digital business, Eva. 
What is driving the business forward in 2021? A very good question. Uh, for us, uh, the growth uh, is happening very, very quickly, and it's driven by retailers demanding f more and more and more from brands. Uh, basically, in the United States, um, uh, clean beauty was, you know, something that, uh, of course, um, leaders like the detox market and Credo Beauty pioneered um, as uh, in the retail format. Um, um, some of them popped up more than 10 years ago. Uh, and uh, while, you know, five years ago, there were, there were just a handful of stores that had a clean or conscious or blue beauty category. Uh, at this point in time, uh, virtually all retailers in the U.S. have um, a category like that. The growth, both on, on their uh, web storefronts and physically, is happening in those categories. So however more, much we speak about clean being a misnomer and something that is becoming quite polarizing and tired, quite frankly, retailers are actually driving uh, tremendous attention for the consumer and are almost um, uh, creating uh, uh, the trend to uh, intensify uh, as such. And what we see from, uh, from that as a corollary uh, is that brands who need to comply with all of the retailer restrictions that are really all over the map, um, you know, Sephora has one restricted substance list, Target has another, the detox market has a third one, Grove Collaborative has a fifth. So, so there's just such variety in what is important to each of the retailers. But if a brand wants to be viable in the United States, really uh, the only lever that brand has, uh, the only two levers that brand has is, you know, direct to consumer, its own, its own, um, uh, of course, uh, digital assets, and um, to be carried in distribution, in major distribution. And that second lever uh, is, is really, really hard to grow with unless you comply with the restrictions. And uh, in that sense, what we're seeing actually is that uh, brands are needing to find the tools that will guide them through uh, the whole, uh, you know, multidimensional data cube that becomes the consideration of complying with all of the requirements of each of the retailers. Um, and for us, actually, that has sparked tremendous growth in um, the participation of brands in our platform. Um, we have brands who come to us and they completely reformulate their product lines. Uh, we have others that uh, use our platform to launch their newest product lines after formulating them in our uh, SaaS tool. And we have a third category that uses our platform to generate the fact base that its uh, products actually meet all of the restrictions, all the disparate restrictions that are out there, and actually to propagate its uh, growth with retailers that have established these clean categories. Um, so for us, it has been, uh, the year has actually been uh, fantastic because as a tool and as a company that helps brands succeed in this really, really complicated uh, conversation around ingredient transparency, we don't need to fly to brands. We don't need to go and meet with them in person. Uh, we're having many, many Zoom calls and conversations, and our customers are actually closer to us uh, today than about a year ago. Uh, and I believe that that has been the benefit for most B2B businesses out there. And talking ingredients transparency, Paola, what are the critical environmental factors impacting the ingredients and sourcing and formulation of clean beauty products in 2021? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Uh, in 2021 and in previous years, um, different drivers are affecting uh, or influencing uh, the formulations and the ingredients productions. But when it comes to environmental drivers, everything related uh, to green chemistry and circular economy. 
Um, in Louvrezol Life Science, we follow the guidelines of uh, the green chemistry and also try to, uh, to develop projects aligned to the five R's. The refuse, recycle, reuse, uh, re reform, reduce. I mean, there are different uh, theories around five R's or seven R's, but the point is that we try to follow uh, this um, mindset and this philosophy of circular economy any uh, production or innovation related to ingredients and formulations. So what we have done and we want to, to keep doing uh, is to create ingredients uh, that reduce uh, low carbon footprint, that reduce waste, uh, that, they re that reduce the amount of energy consumption uh, in any of the production process. But also from the ingredient uh, supplier standpoint, it's not also about the production, it's also about the benefits that the ingredient can supply. For instance, multifunctionality. Oh, one, in one ingredient can provide not only uh, the texture or a good sensorial, but also a good performance. Uh, that's the multifunctionality that the ingredients must supply. And we do that in Lubrizol Life Science. So this is uh, the full multifunctionality benefit. And also how we can create ingredients that at a lower dosage provide high efficacy sensory and stability to any formulation. So those kind of attributes are very important when it comes to formulate a clean beauty products and also enabling formulations up to 95% or 98% of natural content derived. So those are the actions that we follow to create new ingredients. Uh, and also, as, uh, as you said, Chauvin, uh, in the introduction and the other panelists have said, another driver is the COVID-19. Um, perhaps the development of sustainable initiatives uh, have been postponed due to COVID-19, but at the same time, uh, the pandemic has created a renewed urgency to act, and it's one of the main drivers. So we expect that different or many brands are going to, to take action and see the environment as more important uh, than before. Um, we spot some researches from different sources, but one that I remember is uh, from Euromonitor. And they say that in 2020, 47% of consumers globally believe that climate change will impact their life in the future more than it does or it did in 2019. So the realization that negative environmental changes are happening, that pollution, blue light, um, bacteria or some viruses can impact directly the health is going to be more present in consumers' mindset and brands' uh, behavior. So all these things are going to, to, to influence uh, in a strongly way how companies um, create new products and create clean beauty formulations. And for UpCircle, Anna, what are the crucial environmental factors driving your business forward? Well, of course, our entire ethos is centered on bringing the circular economy to the skincare industry. Um, we were told not to do it by lots of mentors and uh, people who've been in the industry much longer than us because they thought that uh, tackling issues of waste in the beauty industry were, were two completely separate things that were just never going to marry up, uh, that consumers weren't ready, retailers weren't ready, don't do it it's too soon. <laughs> cool idea and everything, but just stick to the other tick boxes, stick to organic, stick to natural, stick to recycled, uh, recyclable or recycled packaging, uh, vegan, cruelty-free. Don't try and take this next step with regards to 
what we actually chose to ignore them by doing, uh, which is that we upcycle byproducts into every single skincare formulation that we put out. Uh, so that's that's our focus. I'm very, very glad that we did it because I think that the huge success that we've had in a relatively short period of time is testament to the fact that, you know, we're doing something completely different. It's pioneering um, and it kind of stands out from the crowd. Sure, it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea and that's absolutely fine, but I'd rather have a smaller, incredibly loyal and passionate following than a bigger audience who kind of, yeah, they like the brand, but they don't love it. Uh, so yeah, that's that's definitely our focus. We've now salvaged and, and reused hun- literally hundreds of tons of ingredients that would otherwise be destined to landfill. So that will continue to be our number one focus, alongside, of course, ticking all of those other boxes that I previously mentioned as well. Um, don't get me wrong, over the last year, it has been a uh, challenge. Uh, um, of course, byproducts rely on the functioning of other industries uh, as, a, as a very tangible example. Our signature range is made from upcycled coffee grounds that we collect from cafes and restaurants all over the city. And over 70% of those uh, coffee shops that we were partnered with have permanently closed. So, you know, we've had to draw back to our core entrepreneurial spirit and and kind of problem-solving attitude in order to maintain our slightly more complicated supply chains and meet the increased demand for our products as consumers sit at home, save money on alcohol and, and makeup by wanting to focus more on their skincare. So um, it's, it's, it's challenging and new product development takes an awful lot longer for us because, um, you know, the testing of the ingredients and, and making sure that they are um, stable and of the same quality as those that are, in inverted commas, fresh um, is, 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 is difficult. It's more difficult for us than other brands. Um, we have to work extremely closely with our manufacturers who have to back our vision to the end um, because there's a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of experimentation. But I think what you get at the end is a product that's got uh, this real unique provenance and um, a kind of special story behind it, which um, we can see through the ways in which people choose to talk about us, for example, on social is what really sticks in people's minds. You know, it's, uh, oh, my God, I bought this new toner, but. It's, it's made from chamomile stems that are left over in the separation of the flowers and the leaves and the production of making chamomile tea. How cool is that? You know, it's, it's completely different to um, anything else that they, they might have owned. So, um, yeah, that's our primary environmental consideration. Um, but that doesn't stop us also taking the lead with new initiatives as well. We see ourselves as constantly evolving. So uh, for Earth Day, for example, this year, we launched a full packaging return scheme. Of course, we're known for our circular use of ingredients, but we should really be applying that same circular attitude to our packaging as well. So it's um, a free post service. Uh, The products are at 30% cheaper than the normal retail price if you return the packaging to us. Then we refill it and you can start that cycle again um, infinitely with the same packaging. So this is another example of us trying to take this approach and apply it to as many different elements of our business and our brand as we possibly can. And for your organizations, Eva, do you talk about the circular economy? Absolutely. And uh, what I what I heard here, um, both from the supplier and uh, and the brand ends, uh, is really the same as uh, what we encounter every day. Uh, we have a number of contract manufacturers and ingredient suppliers participating in our platform. Um, and they, uh, they're focusing on, uh, very, very, very much so on packaging and on, uh, upcycled ingredients. Um, upcycled is kind of the keyword in, in, uh, ingredient suppliers, um, you know, trends, uh, for the year. Um, and, uh, you know, both both the suppliers and the contract manufacturers are uh, really innovating to uh, create um, not just uh, the ingredients, but also the traceability of how these ingredients were created so that they can enable the brands to produce products that are in line with, uh, with the ethical and sustainability considerations of their consumer. Um, so this is, this is one thing that we see. And then, um, the other piece that we see actually from brands is intensified innovation around, 
um, you know, what a serum, for example, like looks like. Is it a bottle with a dropper uh, in it, even if it's glass, or is it actually a suspension uh, in a in a little um, you know package and a powder? Uh, in another package that the consumer mixes at home, and you know that targets both the both the sustainability front and the actually the the potency front of the of the product uh, because it doesn't have to decay and oxidize. So uh, brands are actually uh, brands that we see formulating in our uh, tool, the Good Face Formulator are not just uh, using um, sustainable ingredients and ingredients produced in a sustainable way, um, but they're also pushing themselves to really, really innovate um, in terms of what the product, the product, the finished product itself looks like um, to serve that really uh, focused consumer who is leading the way, uh, I very much like uh, Anna and Dominica highlighted, it is not every consumer that will, that will um, value this type of um, um, you know, product, but that is the consumer that is setting the conversation uh, for everyone else. And that consumer is learning very quickly and is pushing the envelope further and further and further. Um, and so we see actually this spark tremendous innovations at the formula level for uh, for brands that are using our platform to formulate. And Paola, how are governments aiding or abetting the ingredient sourcing and formulation of clean beauty products in 2021? Um, I think it's not only for 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 the ingredients, but for the whole e industry uh, that governments are taking action. But there is a difference uh, because even that governments around the world are supporting projects to develop uh, sustainability uh, sustainable products. The rhythm and the transition are different uh, among regions. And we saw that, for instance, in Western Europe, uh, it was the, the pioneer to, to, to create um, this movement uh, compared to other regions. But uh, the governments are taking action and in a different way. And more than the economical benefits that for a beauty company in any kind of the on the in any part of the process uh, in the ingredient part or in the development part uh there are also penalties so the governments are uh, using economical benefits or penalties uh to reinforce this uh taking action uh, mindset mm, actually uh governments are very aligned uh, with something that scientists uh, from the economical uh, field and the chemist field have uh, announced is the eco-economy. And this eco-economy uh, is about that energy and materials are going to be uh, the sectors with more changes in the future. Uh, for materials beyond the materials per se or the ingredients per se, the change will be in the structure of the industry, moving from linear model of extraction to a circular process, to this circular economy. So all this to mention that the governments are also influencing uh, the economic, economical uh, field and the economical uh, drivers. Um, and we have seen that all type of brands has opportunities to collaborate with ingredient suppliers and packaging suppliers to develop uh, breakthrough innovations. We have worked with uh, different uh, companies, uh, it doesn't matter the, the size, uh, to innovate aligned to this uh, circular economy mindset and create not only the formulation, but also uh, the, the finished good. Um, also, what we have seen is that the governments um, are going to influence more the criteria or the guidelines for these definitions of clean beauty and sustainability goals. So, as I mentioned before, it's about 
align, to be aligned with the United Nations Sustainability Development Goals. That is something uh, the governments are going to, to reinforce more when it comes to KPIs, when it comes to uh, show the results, and um, yeah, the results from any uh, sustainable initiative. Um, part of the governments also, or more than the governments, the actors influencing uh, the clean beauty, yeah, multinationals uh, that are beginning to ramp up sustainability actions and innovations, uh, follow what indie brands uh, have already done. And as Eva said also, the retailers, uh, beauty specialty retailers are other actors influencing the structure on influencing the governance around sustainability. So multinationals and retailers are part of this of this structure and move to the clean beauty faster than before. And what have been the Brexit challenges at Bybee Dominica? Yeah, so in terms of Brexit, it has been um, it has thrown up a few things um, for us. I think you know, moving goods around Europe has definitely become trickier and it's put pressure on our supply chain from both, um, I guess, a distribution, but also um, a raw material and packaging perspective as well. So we've seen the cost of goods going up and I think that we've had to be more savvy in terms of how we're looking at economies of scale and unit economics. Um, so we tried to lock in a lot of prices pre-Brexit. Um, and yeah, I guess just focusing on um, maintaining our current cost of goods, um, which has proven to be trickier. Um, we're trying to also move a lot of production to the UK, um, which is in line with our sustainability mission anyway. So that is kind of tandem commercial and mission led. Um, but I think definitely it threw up a lot of things that we weren't anticipating and still even kind of end of May, we're having a lot of issues distributing goods, finished goods within Europe. So um, still a work in progress, to be honest. And up circle beauty, Anna. Yep, completely agree with Dominica. Been a bit of a headache, uh, to say the least. Yeah, we pretty much had to halt most of our distribution of our products in Europe whilst we figured the situation out. We have seen a lot of brands of similar size doing similar things to us, increasing their prices. Uh, we will do everything within our power not to do that. So um, we've actually opened an entire new warehouse uh, in Ireland, which has pretty much solved the situation for us. But the speed with which we had to do that and the extent to which we had to figure things out on our own, I mean, really, there was no guidance whatsoever. Um, and no one seemed to have a clue what was going on, which made things infinitely more difficult. So we basically put that right at the front and center of our priorities um, because it was evident quite swiftly that if we couldn't get uh, a new fulfillment situation sorted out in Europe, then uh, we were going to lose a massive portion of our business. Um, so, you know, new product development, uh, all of that kind of stuff, sadly, went to the back of the pile whilst we... Um, sorted that situation out. So I, I'm pleased, to be honest, that we are a brand that's at a, a, a scale that we are so that we can be nimble and that we can, you know, think fast and uh, act quickly um, because it was, yeah, very, very difficult um, with with not, not really anyone to point us in the right direction other than ourselves. So I'm pleased that that's now sorted. We launched that about a month ago now um, and things have been infinitely easier since. So uh, onwards and upwards, but yeah, a, a tough challenge, that's for sure. And at the Good Face Project, Eva? To us, uh, because we study all of the regulations in order to input them in the uh, formulator tool that we have. Uh, we, it's very clear. Uh, regulators uh, very, very, very rarely lead. Uh, they pick up... Um, the signals from society and, you know, at the very high level, um, most likely the needle will move uh, fastest on the sustainability front uh, because of, of course, uh, the climate change um, imperatives that are globally adopted and thank goodness the United States is catching up to them again. Uh, but um, on the other fronts uh, where uh, we're speaking about transparency, about um, effectiveness and safety profile to the, to the human health of the ingredients, 
we very rarely see the regulators actually leading the conversation. The conversation is led by brands and retailers in the service of the conscious consumer. And uh, we very, very often see movement towards these better legislations, if you will, quite honestly squashed by the lobbying arms of the big beauty companies. And um, that will continue to happen as long as they find a renewed buoyancy in their, in their models, um, in their business models, in their existing brand portfolios that is circled around the newest products that they have launched, which are quite in line with the conscious beauty and clean beauty movement. So that's, that's what we see on our front. Indeed. And finally, Paola, what should, could the clean beauty movement look like in 12 months' time? Um, I think it's, it's very aligned. Uh, with we have already with chair uh, it's about moving from um, clean beauty uh, itself to a more holistic approach to a more conscious beauty definition uh, is integrating a uh, different aspects uh, not only understanding the consumers needs but also the environmental impact so conscious beauty is not only uh, take uh, takes a personalized approach to understanding individual needs. It's also about evaluating the impact in terms of ethical and environmental impact to any production, to any purchase uh, with credentials uh, such as safety, transparency, and ethical sourcing uh, that are uh, prioritized. Um, in Lubrizol Life Science, we have uh, something called the Forcey Lab. Uh, Forcey Lab is the platform that provides forward-looking content by connecting future trends, consumer insights, and science uh, to help our clients shape the future of beauty. And with this platform, uh, we have seen that this holistic approach is not only about uh, the product itself, it's about uh, the corporate vision, uh, what the brands are doing related to other topics like diversity, uh, like inclusion. So yeah, we see that brands are influencing and shaping uh, the clean beauty or this or this conscious beauty, but also different social movements are influencing uh, the brands and influencing um, different kind of uh, companies. So we see that this evolution, uh, these years and the upcoming years is about not only the production itself, the sustainability itself in terms of products, it's also about uh, what kind of world or society we want to give to the next generations. So that's the evolution of this uh, clean beauty. And for you, Dominica? Yeah, I think as I said previously, and, and you know, we've kind of talked about, I think it's time for the clean beauty movement to grow up a little bit and kind of move away from the roots of it, which is based in kind of synthetic bashing and fear mongering and talking about ingredients that aren't in your products. I think it's, um, it's really important that we focus on, you know, what's in our products, what ingredients we are putting in, um, why we're using them, and really, you know, what the positive environmental impact is um, that we're focusing on. So I think just shifting the conversation around away from negativity um, and focusing on, you know, a positive outlook in terms of beauty and, and, you know, Anna mentioned about skin positivity as well. I think all of the you know, all of those positive movements are really what we should be focusing on rather than, um, yeah, the negative side of, of clean beauty and I guess, you know, the, the fear mongering. So, you know, as a brand, you know, that's very much what we're focused on. We've never, we've never talked about um, the, you know, bash synthetics or, or demonized any ingredients. So that's already in line with, you know, the, the way that we already communicate to our consumer. But I think it's important that brands also start to shift that messaging. Um, and retailers as well, you know, we, um, 
you know, we're present in a lot of the retailers um, that have been mentioned, you know, we're in Target, we're clean, um, you know, we adhere to Target's clean standards, um, we adhere to Sephora clean as well. Um, but I think for us, again, that is just nascent with the brand in terms of being natural and really using natural ingredients because we they, we believe that they deliver performance. Um, again, it's not because um, we have a fear around synthetics. So yeah, it would just be great to see in 2021 and beyond um, the clean beauty movement being um, much more around positivity um, and skin benefits rather than um, a negative outlook on ingredients. And for you, Anna? Yeah, I couldn't agree more, to be honest. I think it's really easy to scare people and it's really difficult to unscare them. And I think what you see a lot is brands that are focusing on one particular thing that bash other things as a, as a means to uh, kind of bolster their, their specific focus. But actually, I think what we discover the more we head into this world or we explore things like this is that there is, there is never any kind of clean, right answer. Uh, there are pros and cons to everything. So sure, UpCircle might choose to not use palm oil in any of their products, but uh, that's not necessarily to say that I'm not open to arguments of others that do. I, I think that they can be quite compelling. <laughs> um, equally, preservatives. Uh, one person might be strongly against the use of preservatives, but I can guarantee there are some very strong arguments for them as well. So I think it would be really great to uh, move away from this sort of attitude of we do this so everything else uh, is incorrect because um, clean beauty as a term is as I mentioned at the very start it's an umbrella term that, that uh, represents lots of wishy-washy things that can be used and interpreted extremely differently by uh, individuals or people with um, set agendas I guess. Uh, so it's not a term that we would actively use to describe our own brand, despite the fact that, of course, <laughs> we we are. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, as Dominica said, like seeing it mature or or else, I guess, die off as a, as a, as a word um, will be interesting. I, I look forward to seeing how that develops. Um, but in terms of moving away from the focus on ingredients, um, I'd love to see more development in packaging for our industry. I think that's what gives beauty and cosmetics generally it's called sustainability um label i guess uh, or reputation i should say and as a brand founder it's the thing i find most frustrating because i can't really control it i can't control innovation in packaging because i don't make it so i have to just weigh up the pros and cons of what's out there on the market and the varied price points etc so um i look forward to seeing more innovation in clean packaging in the in the future months and with that, I would like to thank my guests, Paola, Dominica, Anna and Eva for joining me today and to you for listening.